Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 224 of Getting It Out Podcast. That was Yatra with Reign of Terror off of their new record, Born Into Chaos, which is going to release June 10th on Prosthetic Records. Yatra is from Baltimore, Maryland, and I remember this band from a little while back. I don't remember them being so death metal-y, but I think that's absolutely fine. I like what I heard, and uh, I hope you did too. Uh, Baltimore, Yatra, uh, reminds me of Rats, Ratra. I, you know, I have a lot of bad memories of rats from living in Baltimore. Rats are fucking everywhere in Baltimore. If you, if, if you don't know anything about Baltimore, just know this. The rats are enormous and everywhere. And I used to get in, in little fights with them, and they scare me to death, and uh, they're disgusting. And sometimes I would, <laughs> I, would t- I would step on them by accident. I, you know, I worked third shift, so I was out there at, at night a lot. And uh, walking to my car, I used to go in and out, in and out of my house through an alley, so it was, uh, so it was, uh, it was, it was filled with rats, especially on trash day, especially after trash day, I should say, later in the day on trash day, uh, it was, it was, it was rats galore, and I used to step on them and getting, uh, I used to run and scream like a little girl. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of running and screaming like a little girl, I bet that's what you did when you saw this episode features another Baltimore artist, Misery Index. I've got Mark on to talk about their new record, Complete Control. So. We're going to do that. How about we get into this with the Hot Zone Getting It Out podcast intro song. Yeah, what's good all you bitches and bitches? It's the illustrious Hot Zone back at it again with another podcast intro. They said, oh, you want to do a podcast intro for the Getting It Out podcast? said, oh, shit, I got to write a rap verse, don't I? They said, no, you don't got to write a rap verse. The hardcore podcast said, all right, I think I can maybe make that happen. Let's see what we can do. Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies Peace to my family, make friends till they bury me All the places we've been, we're never sitting it out We be getting it in, where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been, we're never sitting it out We be getting it in, where you getting it out? Alright, so back in the podcast, I've been mentioning that I've been slacking lately, and you might not see it from your side. You might say, hey, you're putting out an episode a week, and I am, but uh, I'm not doing it excitedly. It feels like a lot of work lately, and I think that's because I just have a new job, and I don't have as much time at home to do these things that I like to do. I started doing the website now, by the way, gettingitout.net. Please go visit that. Check it out. Lots to see there. Um, I'm really, I really want you to go check that out. Anyway. It just it takes up my time, and doing the podcast is not something that's uh, at the forefront anymore. It's going to be, right? I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll shake this little funk, and it'll keep coming out every week as it does. Maybe more than that. Maybe less. I don't know. That's Remember I set this goal back a few months to do it whenever I want to do it, and that's it? Yet it still seems it's uh, every week, uh, just not necessarily on an exact day, which is fine, right? Which is fine, because nobody gives a shit. That's true. Uh, if, you, if you saw my recent appearance in Decibel Magazine... I made a very good point, uh, if I do say so myself, that nobody cares about your podcast. Nobody cares about my podcast. Nobody cares about your podcast. And I mean that in the sense that when it doesn't show up on the day that it's usually there, nobody cares, right? They'll be there next week. They might not be. Who cares? It's a podcast. Um, and uh, that's that's fine. I was talking recently about something similar. I went to a show the other night. I, I, I talked about this on a Getting It in the Mail 
episode on Instagram. So if you've already heard me say this, too bad. Uh, I went to a show the other night. It was for John Snodgrass, who's an artist I really like. You know, it's usually just him and his guitar, sometimes with his buddies. He did two albums with Frank Turner. Uh, he's he's part of those, what were those tours when all the guys from bands used to go around and play acoustic stuff? It was like Chuck Reagan, Tim Berry, um, Large uh, Jane Grace, and uh, you know, guys like that. Frank Turner was one of them, I believe, and they used to go around and do these shows. He was in that mix, John Snodgrass, uh, Corey Brannon, Austin Lucas, those types of guys. Anyway, John Snodgrass was in town, and he was playing with his buddies, which doesn't, which is kind of vague, but I think that's the way it's supposed to be. His buddies ended up being... Uh, a guy from Rat Out and Mikey Erg on drums. And uh, they also played with Scott Reynolds, who used to be in Awe. And Lenny Lashley opened, who was in Dark Buster. And it was a pretty cool show for uh, old punk rock guys, right? But it wasn't a pretty cool show because hardly anybody showed up. And I mean, like, seven, seven paid people, I'm going to say. And three of them were me, my wife, and my stepdaughter. And we enjoyed it. We had a good time. But I think that sucks for the guys who came all the way out to out to play. And uh, but that's just the way it is, right? That's that's the reality of uh, being a touring musician, and that's how it goes sometimes. Anyway, my point was that uh, yeah, not everybody's looking for it. Not everybody's interested in what you're doing. And that goes also for other podcasters who always feel the need to uh, post about their mental health breaks and their Instagram stories. You guys gotta. What is the point of doing that? Why you keep it to yourself? I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about your problems, right? I'm just saying uh, you sh- like to use your pa- platform to talk about your own issues. I don't know. It just seems like get a friend, you know, <laughs> get a fucking friend. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. I'm sure there's somebody you can talk about other than like I don't know. It's like this weird guilt trip thing. Hey guys, feel bad for me. I'm not doing a podcast this week because uh, my mental health is in the dump. Nobody's asking, motherfucker. Just don't do it. All right. Nobody's asking. And if, if stuff's bothering you, I, I highly encourage you to to uh, seek out help and uh, talk to the people who care who care about you and you care for and all that stuff. But uh, don't put those weepy Instagram stories up. I don't get it. And then two days later, not even twenty four hours later, you come back and like, never mind. Show's back on. Man, struggle in silence like the rest of us. Right, keep that shit in. Bury it. Keep it down. All right, chug it down. Keep it in. Uh, I shouldn't say that stuff. But uh, it's the way a lot of us feel, right? It doesn't mean I'm right at all. It's just, I'm probably wrong as usual, but I'm just putting it out there. Anyway, speaking of stuff that's being put out there, Misery Index just put out a new album. It's called Complete Control. It's their first on Century Media Records. At the time of my conversation with Mark, they were on tour with uh, some other bands. I forget who at the time. Uh, Origin. Origin was one of them. Wolf King, I believe, was one of them. And uh, they were in uh, Canada. That was a like a week and a half ago. So they're probably not there anymore. Maybe two weeks ago. They're not there anymore. I don't even know if they're on this tour anymore. But it's still relevant. It's, it was around the release of the record a couple of days before. Uh, it's out there now. You can go find it and listen to it. I encourage you to do so. It's awesome. If you haven't, I'll play a song for you. You can check it out right now. How about the title track? Complete Control. This is Complete Control from Misery Index. Off of Complete Control on their Century Media Records debut. Check it out and then listen to my conversation with Mark.
Misery Index, you guys are out on tour right now. Is this the first uh, North American tour? North American tour post pandemic? Uh, yeah, man. Um, yeah, like uh, it is. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we were actually in Europe supporting Napalm Death. We were out there with uh, them and I hate God like uh, in March of 2020, like right at the very beginning, and uh, and then that's when shit hit the fan. And you know, luckily we missed it. And um, you know we got we had one show cancel and then we got we got home and uh, and then it was total lockdown city man after that but uh, so we got pretty lucky that we were able to get out of that um, without some without crazy like financial issues <laughs> you yeah know? yeah um, or just plain getting stuck in Europe man I had some friends uh, one of my friends is an actor and got stuck in um, somewhere in Spain man three weeks unassuming without being able to work so it was like. <laughs> Things could have gone a lot worse, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, for us, anyways, um, and it did for some others. I mean, like, uh, like you know, cattle decapitation had that, you know, <laughs> aptly named European pandemic tour, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that that got totally squashed. And um, I think the Testament guys too, man. They they like went over it and everyone got it or something. Something something. I don't know the exact story, but something crazy happened there, but. Yeah, dude, it affected us all like pretty harshly, and uh, yeah, this is the we've done. Misery Index has done some shows in the states. Uh, we did Full Terror Assault, played a club show around that. We played in Baltimore, 
but that's basically it, man. Uh, we went to Switzerland in, in March. That was the first time we went back to Europe just to test the waters and say that, like, um, Maysuf thing with Demolition Hammer. And, uh, uh, yeah, so here we are, out on the road uh, in the U.S. after sitting around for two years. Well, you're currently in Canada, right? Which is, well, I mean North America. Yes, no, no. We're currently in Canada. <laughs> I'm sitting here in Ottawa right now, yeah. I know you're sitting there, so you, maybe you, maybe I don't know how honest you can be, and maybe you can be though. How do you feel about Canada? How do I feel about Canada? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool, man. People are nice, you know. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's you know, it's a different country. It's like it's strange because it's just a little bit different than the states, just a little bit. So just things are just slightly different, but mostly the same, but not different enough. So it kind of catches you off guard a little bit. <laughs> Like well, when you, you go into a hotel and uh, like you go into a hotel and uh, the even numbers are on you know whatever the left and the odds are on the right and you go in there and they're not really <laughs> it's just an order <laughs> like what's this what's this about I mean that's probably the way it should be right that that actually makes more sense to me but uh, I, I guess... don't know man I look I look left it's like if I'm looking for room two twenty two I look left I see you know the odd numbers I'm like well it's going to be on the right. <laughs> Yeah, you've been conditioned. You're, you're Americanized. Yeah, you cannot do that shit in Canada. <laughs> no. You're you're going to be on tour. Well, you're on tour, and you're going to be on tour when your new record, Complete Control, releases. Was that uh was that part of the plan, or is that just how this this shook out? No, that, no, it's totally, totally uh, part of the plan. Part of the plan. We may we you know we're like we're co-heading with uh, Origin, so we're making we're making our own schedule. So yeah, that was definitely part of the plan to uh, you know tour right. Before and right after through release date. Nice. Well, that it does drop. Uh, what this week or next week? May thirteenth. May thirteenth. So this Friday. Nice. So um, this is your first record on Century Media. You've done like you know you've yep. you've been on like every big metal label there is, but now it's Century Media. Do you have any um, like does 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 that does that hold any weight to you? Being that it's Century Media, a label with such history. It's a really big deal, man. Uh, you know, no disrespect to the labels we've been on and. Um, because we love all them too, man. We, we did great work together with Season of Mist and also with Relapse. And um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, yeah, no disrespect. Um, we, uh, we we came to the point where we, you know, we did some albums with Season of Mist, and we did, you know, between us, we did like everything that we were going to do. And then, um, you know, Century Media approached us, and uh, in particular, uh, a guy named Philip Schulte. He kind of runs things over in Europe, and. Um, He'd been a big fan, like since uh, since the band started. And uh, cool backstory is, um, you know, way back in the day when Misery Index was first signing to a label, which was Nuclear Blast. Um, Century Media uh, was in the process of making an offer too, and he was the lowly AR guy <laughs> that was uh, that was trying to trying to make that happen, you know. But uh, he was, uh, you know, just starting out then and uh, couldn't make it move fast enough, and uh, you know. Uh, Jason and Sparky just didn't want to sit around, and um, you know they end up going nuclear blast, which you know um, for whatever reason didn't end up working out, and uh, the band moved over to to relapse, and I joined. But um, you know, fast forward to you know nearly 20 years later, and uh, you know we became free agents, and Philip you know decided that was his that was his shot to get the band that he wanted, you know, and uh, he you know, had a really cool backstory, and it's like really passionate about the band, and. Um, so 
that's what happened, man. Well, that's, <laughs> and, that's very um, cool. Man. It, it's really cool. It's really cool to have that, you know, that level of like personal support on, uh, on that. And I'm not saying we didn't get it before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I said, not too pooing anyone. I mean, it's like everyone's doing a really good job, you know, with this. And, you know, that was just, that's just like a, an extra kind of accoutrement to the, to the history here. Um, that's kind of, it's a cool story, man, because he's been a fan of the band for a really long time. And, so it's like it's mutual or like it's cool that we're both getting to like make this happen right now. And um sort of fueled my inspiration for the you know, for my writings for the album, you know, because I just, you know, I wanted to make I wanted to make a record that that dude wanted. Yeah. You know, like uh, somebody that's been listening to the band the entire time mm-hmm. and knows exactly what we're about and knows the sound in and out. And I just wanted to deliver the best version of that. Um, essentially for him, because you, uh, um, you know, because of the level of commitment that he made to us too, and and it was just, um, yeah, and so and that's what we did, man. We just it wasn't a time for heavy experimentation. It was just time to, you know, refine everything we did into the best possible form and uh, and put that out, you know. Yeah. Well, you you and, mentioned in in yeah, that ex- you mentioned in that explanation that you you weren't in the band at one point and very early on you joined pretty early on, but you weren't in on the initial stages. How did you come to join misery index back in whatever that was? 2000, what, four, five, five. Well, 2004, really, uh, officially in 2005, how that story goes is, uh, both Adler and I are from around St. Louis mm-hmm. and, um, we both had, we both had our own death metal bands in, in the scene playing a place called the creepy crawl on Tucker. <laughs> St. Louis. His band was called All Will Fall, and uh, my band was called Cast the Stone. And uh, we both had like mutual respect for each other's bands, like you know, thinking like not like we're the best bands in the city, but just like for what we were doing, like death metal stuff. It's like we were kind of like you know, in our opinions of each other, the top dogs, you know, um, in terms of style and proficiency and songwriting and stuff like that. And uh, anyway, we played with each other we played all like the, the tours that came through you know, the, and um so uh misery index came through and all of fall opened up the show and uh i guess um you know jason you know adam caught his eye as far as like drummers go as it caught kevin tally and uh kevin was uh he got picked up for some kind of other gig and uh actually contacted adam about uh taking his spot and um so that happened and uh, he ended up joining the band in 2004 and went to go play Bakken. And, um, you know, Mike Harrison, the original guitar player, was in the band at the time. And uh, he ended up getting the job with, with Apple, and they were looking for guitar players. And so um, he hit me up. And, uh, you know, the, so he hit me up on email, the, the <laughs> my band's email. Oh. And, uh, yeah, by the Cast of Stone email. And, uh one of my bandmates uh, decided to delete that email. <laughs> but as, as fate would have it, uh, All Will Fall, he, Adam was coming home to play an All Will Fall show at, uh, at Pops in Sauge, which is right across the river from St. Louis. You know, a hometown show after getting the big gig and everything. And, uh, you know, and I had made plans to go see him, obviously. He got the big gig. I want to go watch All Will Fall and obviously, like, congratulate him and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, man, I, uh, I went... I remember the day that happened. It's like I went to work and I got home and I was eating something. I completely forgot about this show. 
And I was just, I was slipping through the city rag. It's called the Riverfront Times. And I was slipping through and saying, yeah, what's going on? I fucking pops there. Let's see. I was like, oh shit, that all will fall shows tonight. And I, it was like happening right then. So I, uh, you know, ripped off my work clothes, put on my metal garb and jumped in the car and sped down there, uh, across the river. And, uh, and, uh, they were just ending like their last song. And we were playing like this song called Brick Shard Foundry. It was one of my favorite ones of those. And, uh, you know, I got there, caught the last like good song, and then you know, I catch up with Adam after they get done loading off, and he's like, he's all hyped. He's like, "What's up, man?" I was like, "Hey, yeah, what's up, man? Uh, congratulations on the gig, whatever, yeah." And he's like, "So, did you get my email?" And I was like, "What email?" <laughs> <laughs> and like, he thought I just wasn't answering it. And he was like, "Oh, I guess he's not interested." But he's like, "Get my email," and then he told me what the email was about, and I was like, "Ah, well, sir, that gig is mine." <laughs> and uh, I proceeded to, uh, you know, I guess the rest is history. Wanted up all the set, went out there and uh, jammed with the dudes, and uh, I thought it was a good idea. And uh, my first tour was the very beginning of 2005 in February with uh, Suffocation and Behemoth. It's quite a big so, tour. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and it's been, you know, first my first album then came out in 2006, mm-hmm. and here we are. You've been doing it ever since. When, when did you officially make the move to Baltimore? Uh, it, it took like uh, maybe like a couple years. I, um, I was kind of going back and forth. We were staying at Sparky's place and staying at our friend's his couch surfing for a little while. And then uh, I think we, might, we finally made the move like probably, man, I guess it was like the end of 2005, man. It's pretty I quick. I think that's man. what it was. I think it was the end of 2005. Yeah, yeah. We just kind of like, did a couple tours with them and, and made plans and stuff and couch surfing, whatever. And then uh, finally moved out there at the very end of 2005, and 2006. Yeah. Well, you guys have been, uh, yeah, I mean, it, to put it lightly, killing it since uh, with several albums. What is, which, which album, what album number is this? This is number seven. Number seven. For so, so roughly uh, once every two or three years, right? Something like that. Yeah. 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 So was complete control. Uh, a product of the pandemic in any way, or is this like on your normal album cycle, I guess? The normal cycle of the band? I don't know, man. We're not really trying to like write to cycles and shit like that. I mean, we're just, we just write music res- responding to our environment um, when, you know, creativity strikes. And, uh, you know, we've never kind of, we've never been like, like some bands I understand, like it's kind of like honor a year and a half or two year cycle or whatever, but yeah, we just kind of do what we do. And, uh, you know, obviously, the only deadlines that come in place are the ones like for uh, production and, you know, maybe meeting something that we'd like to, but um, that's not really like the goal. The goal is to like respond to our environment and be inspired and make the best thing that we can. And, um, and yeah, that's what happened here too. Um, so, in that sense, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, the past couple of years have had an effect on like, clearly on everyone and uh, on what we're doing. I mean, we're just, in, in the vein that we're just responding to our environment. You know, I mean, it's evident in, like, the, the lyrical themes, but it's not, like, directly related to, uh, you know, the big viral outbreak or anything like that. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That is just right. uh maybe you know using some of that to as exemplary sort of uh examples <laughs> um you know to to show to show the uh the structures that are in place that, that keep the herds moving in certain directions yeah i hear it. well you've had out a couple songs for for complete control so far i want to say at least three right yeah there's been three singles how's that gone over from your vantage point so far um uh, good, good for me <laughs> 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 good for you. It's good for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that people we have put out what we want, man. Yeah, no, that's that's what I was gonna say. That's one of the things that I mostly appreciate about Misery Index. There's a couple things, but that's that's one of them is that you guys seem to have always done what you wanted to do, and uh, you stand alone, uh, not alone, you know, but you stand as your own band in a scene where a lot of things kind of blend together. Like I know what Misery Index is gonna sound like. I know what Misery Index is usually gonna look like too. And uh, one of those, one of those things, is even as simply as just using a legible logo, you know, like I just, you know, I know what to expect from Misery Index, and I like it. Um, and I think other people feel the same way. Sure. I mean, yeah, we have, we definitely have our own voice uh, in the pantheon of of everything that's going on, which you know is, I don't know, man. If it's if it ends up if that ends up being hard for you, then uh, you know maybe maybe you weren't so original to begin with. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, it's really like what you know, what this art is supposed to be. I mean, yes, you're going to have your, like, influences and, and things like that, but, you know, when when the biting becomes, like, so obvious, it's like, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's not supposed to be, like, an organic expression, you know? It's supposed to be, like, you. Yeah. It's supposed to be you. And it, the time the time is, this is not the time for uh, mimicry and uh, and that kind of thing. The time is now for you to speak. It's your, it's your stuff. And, yeah, okay, maybe, like, you're trying to make a, a, a career out of a goal. It's like, you know, you've got to push back against that and, you know, make it viable in the marketplace and the kids like this and the kids like that or whatever. But, you know, I don't know, man. At the end of the day, it's like, we, we personally can't be fucking uh, absorbed by that kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, trends come, trends go. We like punk, hardcore, grinded death metal and we mix it together and, you know, if you like it, cool. If you don't, <laughs> too bad. You know, go with something else. <laughs> And uh, the stuff we write about when it's not gore and, you know, other kind of nonsense. I mean, that's cool. You know, other people want to write about that stuff, but we're more or less uh, reacting to the real world, and that's what we like to talk about. Yeah, I think that's, one of the, again, one of the things that I really appreciate about Misery Index, especially, for, like, for me, coming from, I come from the, the, the hardcore world, I'll say, um, but, you know, I've, I've always loved, loved everything, um, but hardcore and Misery Index seem to have some things in common maybe not maybe not so much always the music but that there's a message a lot of times in your songs and not just and like you said it's not about the gore yeah, yeah. and whatever something disgusting uh, there's actually something being said and i've always appreciated that yeah and 
in there yeah in that way we we do kind of like we do have it's more more on like the punk side of things like the hardcore punk kind of yeah. thing we're 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 you know we're just uh as a byproduct of just who we are i mean we're socially aware and you know we like to react you know talk about those issues and talk about those things and you know uh, be contrary you know when we need to and uh you know i feel like uh you know the hardcore scene in general could uh do a little more of that man it's like i feel like there's a lot of the same thing you see happening with like death metal bands where uh you know there's a lot of like copycatting yeah, and, yeah. you know identical productions and uh you know or it's like it just, it just starts blending together and sounding the same and you know that's it's not really cool uh and um you know like and the hardcore scene in general i love that stuff and you know i just i sometimes wish that uh it would get away from some of the trite statements you know like some of these bands that have like a huge platform to really like advance people so they could really like you know use that to you know think about things speak out that would be cool <laughs> <laughs> um but you know i'm not poo-pooing anything uh you know it's just my preference my personal preference you know i don't have all the answers yeah. you know what i mean people can do what they want and ultimately people can do what they want regardless of how i feel about it or anybody else and but, I think uh, they will too, just anyway, like you that, will. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> well, it's because we're on the topic, and because I've asked this question to a lot of people. Usually, I ask it to people that are in hardcore bands, but I want to ask you because you, you live in Baltimore, and we, we mentioned hardcore. When you think of Baltimore hardcore, what is the band that comes to your mind first? Next step up. Why is that? Because uh, we know those guys. Yeah, <laughs> we know those dudes, and you know uh, Bruce. Grieg was also in our band at one point. Right. And uh, I wasn't in the band with him, but uh, when I first joined the band, he was like, he was around a lot. Like, we just like, he, he was just in the scene at shows or at the practice space or whatever. Like, he was still going to the same practice space with Ryan and, you know, jamming um, in a band called Covenants, uh, which my homie Derek, also from Cast of Stone, like played in. So uh, I think I made that connection <laughs> with those guys. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, dude. He recently passed, and we miss him. And he was always like the riff meister and a killer guitar player. And uh, yeah, dude. So yeah, if you ask me, <laughs> who the, who the Baltimore hardcore band is, next step up, one hundred percent. And they are like a heavy inspiration for like Jason and John when they were doing like Dying Fetus together. And um, yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know it's yeah. it's well known by people like us, but uh, when when Dying Fetus covered. Uh, Bringing back the glory, that was a big, uh, it was a big deal for certain people, you know. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. <laughs> well, nice little nod. Yeah. Well, um, so you talked about like the way the we, we talked about the the way there's a message with Misery Index song. Does that have anything to do with how you got in to extreme music? Like, which side of the coin? You know, people come from punk rock, people come from hardcore, people from from whatever the radio. How did you find yourself getting interested in extreme music? Um, I mean, all this shit I've been talking, you would think I came from some kind of like punk rock background, but I didn't. Um, that was like Jason Netherton's influence on me when I joined the band. Hmm, interesting. Um, but I did like that. I did like that, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, I wasn't like that versed in that kind of thing until I, you know, until I met Jason and he kind of, you know, showed me the, the ways. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, at any rate, uh, no, dude, I, I, you know, I was like, a teenager in like you know i was like 12 in 1994 so that's when you kind of like start finding your own stuff yeah you know 
some of your parents' stuff. And, uh, you know, around that time, I met my friend Andy Husky, and he had a big brother that listened to Faith No More and Pantera and Nine Inch Nails and White Zombie and, uh, you know, and Metallica and Slayer. And uh, so he, Chris, essentially, Chris Husky, showed us all this stuff. I, he showed Andy this stuff, and Andy showed me. And, uh, you know, and that was it. <laughs> you know that that was it it was just like from there on it was like oh this is amazing and, and you know you just want to get heavier and heavier and you know 94 that's like um i believe that's when pantera far beyond driven came out and i mean you know the biggest platinum selling the heaviest platinum selling record to date it's gotta be right uh, hands down yeah. <laughs> hands down i mean i'm sorry you don't like the band or whatever not cool enough for you or you know whatever you know the you know scene elitists have to say that you know platinum selling or not that album is heavy as balls now (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it just is it just is nothing nothing you can take away from it heavy as balls now um it's it's still it's got production that stands up with the best productions of right now in terms of like metal and heavy metal and even death metal it's just like it is. It is a damn thing, man. And uh, so, yeah, I can't. I that that's where I came from, man. Uh, that's probably like a a very common story for any any person like growing up in the Midwest. You know, you didn't. We're, we're kind of isolated out there. We weren't on the coast. You know, exposed to like the uh, you know the punk rock house shows and that kind of shit by going on in the in the cities. You know, on the coast and uh, band or it's very easy for bands to tour. You know, that culture didn't exist when, yeah. where I was. It was like you played, you could play St. Louis, and then where's your next city? Six hours away <laughs> in Chicago. You know, wow. you know what I mean? Yeah. If you miss traffic, you could be in New York from Baltimore in like three, four hours. Yeah, you sure it's could. It's a long fucking way. <laughs> that is a long way for some teenagers to try to travel, you know? And so on the East Coast, you had, you know, it's just conducive. Like, you know, you hit Baltimore, Philly, New York, and you know, Go on and get adventurous and go up to Boston, maybe uh, across the border, going to Montreal, and all of a sudden you're a touring band. People know who you are because you can make those transits. And we were kind of isolated out there, both, uh, you know, you know, for for that and for all, like physically isolated and also culturally isolated. You know, we were only getting kind of like the, the bigger, more mainstream stuff, and you really had to dig on your own. You know, there wasn't, you know, yeah, we had the big brother hook us up, like, you know, down the path, but. Um, we used to go to this place called the Missing Link, just record store. And thank goodness for Frank at the Missing Link, man. Shout out <laughs> because um, he got all the cool stuff. He he had all the cool stuff from Europe and all the underground stuff. He was into it, and uh, so you know we would go in there and spend hours just popping CDs out and looking on those like six Walkman or like <laughs> six Discman he had sitting on the counter. Yeah. And he would make recommendations and stuff, and and those recommendations became our influences, man. Like uh, a lot of European death metal, you know. He's, a, you know, Frank's the guy that turned me on to like, you know, Crowbar, and <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of this other like European like black metal stuff, and you know, uh, down the the death metal rabbit hole, and you know, all the old Campbell Corpse albums and DSI and all that stuff, you know. So it was like. Yeah, dude, I would say it started with just, you know, your basics, Metallica, Pantera, and, you know, Slayer. And after that, you just got a good appetite for something heavier. And, 
you just, you know. <laughs> well, no, I, I totally understand. And it's never clenched. I totally understand, and I think I could say the exact same thing. We're about the same age, and uh, I mean, I grew up in yeah. York, York, Pennsylvania, which was forty-five minutes from Baltimore. But you know, I was I was the same age. I wasn't going anywhere to find anything. But fortunately for us, heavy music was probably at its height of popularity. I think you know, like the what was when was uh, heavier music on the radio than in ninety-two and ninety-four? Yeah, so. At least you know we had that exposure, yeah. and and people like us found got got in much deeper from there. And I think it's interesting you listed off some of those bands that you you know as you got deeper, or at least some of those styles. I'm sure some of that shit was on Century Media Records back then. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, you know, like I hate God. I mean, they yeah, down there for, you know, a while. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they might have come. I can't. I don't know all the details exactly, but I know they were on them in the past, and they're on them now. Um, so. Yeah, you know what I specifically remember? What I specifically remember about Sensory Media and buying CDs back then was they had, and I think I say this to everybody that's on Sensory Media now, is they had those identity comps, Identity 1, Identity 2, or whatever, and that had a that had a great uh, combination of bands on their roster. I don't know what year they started those, but it was always a good good look. And, you know, there was hardcore, there was heavy metal, there was, you know, power metal shit, there was black mm-hmm. metal, but it was all there. And uh, one of the things I always appreciated about the label, much like they do now. Yeah. All right. So um, yeah, yeah, that's that's cool, man. You're about uh, you're out on this tour. You've been with the band for almost 20 years. What's the diff? What's what's the biggest difference touring with Misery Index now compared to 20ish years ago? Uh, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> not enough. Yeah, there's not enough of a difference between now and 20 years ago. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... dude. We're still, you know. We're still playing buffoons, man. We're still rolling up in the van. Uh, you know, well, this cool people. I don't know. This tour is a little uh, complicated, isn't it? Because yeah, Adam's only doing part of it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. He dipped out for a minute. He had, uh, dude. He had some stuff to do. Uh, there were some things that came up with Pig Destroyer, and uh, to be honest, he's been. We've kind of shared Adam, us, and Pig Destroyer for you know over a decade, and man, we we worked it out. We never had a schedule conflict, and. Um, you know, COVID kind of lifted a bit and things started opening up and we were putting out an album and it's just like, you know, right as things were, were opening up, it's like then then came the, uh, you know, everyone asking for bands to play shows. And, uh, and we all had sat on our, you know, our hands for two years. And so I guess the, you know, the general feeling was, you know, uh, we all just kind of need to, especially right now while we have the chance, because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Try to make try to make it happen for everybody right now, you know, because this is who we are and what we do. And we had that rug just pulled out from under us for, you know, two years. And it hurts, man. Like, <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even like, you know, sugarcoat or pander to you right now. It, like it legitimately hurts your feelings. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, dude, uh, you know, we're all in it together, man. And, you know, and I think now we feel that way and more so than ever you know and uh so we you know john uh from from origin was like helping us out for the dates that adam couldn't be here because he had the the other obligation with pig destroyer and it's just kind of like a round robin of dudes like we're all doing it you know and we're helping each other out man and it's like it's cool so and john's doing he's he played the first show last night in toronto and um adam's going to join back up with us like uh for the texas shows and Everything's going to roll as normal. We just, you know, 
had a bit of a scheduled conflict that we hadn't encountered in the decades, <laughs> just to add to the laundry list of weird crap that's happened to us over the past two and a half years or so. And, and uh, yeah, man, we're just, we're just making it work, dude. Well, yeah, it seems like you guys are resilient enough to get through that. You know, it's not that big of a not that big of a shift, and it sounds like you got a plenty suitable replacement for the time being. So, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, after sitting around for two years, it's a pretty big bummer to have uh, the dude that you like wrote these songs with uh, not be able to participate in the full tour for your for your new album release. I and mean, that hurts, dude. I'm not even, you know, like again, <laughs> it's like it's abnormal. <laughs> And it's uh, it's not very cool, but uh, it's just you know it's no one's fault. It's uh, we're we're the we're a victim of the situation, and we're just trying to make the best of it. So here we are. Well, seems like you're, seems like it's going to work out eventually, right? Um, the <laughs> it's been working great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we played Toronto last night. It was amazing. Uh, you know, John did awesome. Yeah, we, we're we're making it happen, dude. It's all it's all good. It's all good. You know what I mean? Awesome. But, uh, well, yeah. um, last one, last question here for you. What are you most looking forward to with the release of this record? Uh, just to get it out to the public because <laughs> we've been working on it for a while and uh, we've been through a hell of a lot. And um, I think it's our best record to date. And I know every band in the world says that, but um, we legitimately did not, uh, we didn't go off on any limbs on this one. And we just kind of like hunkered down and really focused on who we are. Uh-huh. and what we sound like and let's make the quintessential version of that with this next album and uh, you know and just cut the bullshit and uh, and I think I believe we have achieved that and uh, I feel like we've from the last album that we've won up to ourselves and uh, I can I, I kind of know that objectively because uh, you know I tracked it <laughs> <laughs> and it was harder to do it was a lot harder to do than the last one <laughs> And uh, and get the right takes for it, and uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to you know show everyone the fruit of our labor. Yes! Yeah.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Mark. And the song you just heard was Infiltrators off of Complete Control, their Century Media Records debut. And it is out now, available everywhere. I'm sure you can get it on every format you want as Century Media is a massive record label. Uh, worldwide, baby. You know that. We just talked about that. If you didn't know it, go back and listen again. Do a repeat listen. I'll go like you go to the bathroom. Do a rewipe. Do a re-listen. I know you do, you gross ass. Um, okay, so... Uh, that's it for this one, for the most part. I do always want to encourage you to go to gettingitout.net. Check that out. Uh, if you want to write some reviews for me, please do. That's been the hardest thing to get done. So write a review and uh, send it to me. I'll put it up there, most likely. We'll see. I don't know. I also want to encourage you to send in your music to dan at gettingitout.net, and I will play it on uh, any episode I feel like. Uh, usually one that makes sense and fits with your band. Uh, but eventually it happens, and I think that's really cool. Also, I uh, want to just encourage you to reach out for any reason uh, whatsoever. Sometimes people reach out and they're like, hey, can you have my band on the podcast? And usually I'm like, eh, I don't think so. Um, but uh, I think I'll reach out to you if I want to have your band on the podcast. But sometimes that happens. Sometimes I'm like, hey, I never heard this before, and it rocks. Let's do it. Uh, but most times it's like, hey, how about not quite yet? But, uh, but I'm always willing to play music, and I'll make you a band page on gettingitout.net, and we'll get your information out there as much as possible. Um, which is a good time to bring up that now if you look in the show notes, all the band links, all the links to things are going to be links to gettingitout.net pages, gettingitout.net band pages. Any band that you hear on this podcast, whether it's a song in the beginning, a song at the end, or the main feature interview, is going to have a page on gettingitout.net, and you can click the link in the show notes, and it'll take you there, and there... You will find many links of where you can find more information on the band, whether that's a Spotify link, a Google Music link, an Apple Music link, a Bandcamp page, a Twitter, an Instagram, a Facebook. I have it all there. And links to, I try to get every single music video the band has ever done on that page as well. It'll send you right to YouTube or might open right on the page. I don't remember how that works. But there's a bio, there's a picture, there's a band member list, where they're from, when they were formed. All that information can be found for each band you hear on Getting It Out Podcast on gettingitout.net. Just click the band link in the show notes, including this band that I'm going to end the show with. This is Inanimate Existence. The song is called The Masquerade, and it's off of their new record, which drops, uh, I don't know, pretty soon on uh, the Artisan Era. So uh, check this out, The Masquerade from Inanimate Existence, and uh, thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.